Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Would you listen for the word of the Lord? From Numbers chapter 27. The Lord said to Moses, Go up this mountain, Abarim, and look at the land I've given to the Israelites. You will see it, and then join your ancestors, just as Aaron your brother has. Moses spoke to the Lord. Let the Lord, the God of all living things, appoint someone over the community who will go out before them and return before them. Someone who will lead them out and bring them back so that the Lord's community won't be like sheep without their shepherd. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, while we do a set change, <laughs> many of you have probably heard of DeWitt Jones. Uh, if you've not heard of him, you've probably seen a lot of his work. He is, uh, was an uh, internationally famous photographer. Um, he, uh, I mean, you know, international companies, multinational companies would hire him to do an ad campaign. Uh, he did a lot of work, freelance work for National Geographic. Uh, just an amazing, amazing photographer. And, and then he kind of t- turned some of the things he learned from photography into leadership lessons and leadership um, uh, videos and presentations and such. And, and his, the whole theme of what he did was there's always a next right answer. There's always a next right answer. And, and so he gave the example in photography, of course, that uh, he said when he would do a shoot, let's say just for National Geographic, and if you know anything about National Geographic, you know the photography is amazing, right? It's just amazing. And so you see that photography, and he said, you know, in a typical article in the, in the magazine, and, and uh, certainly be different online, but uh, there might be 15 to 20 photographs. And he said, but, but I would take anywhere from 10 to 14,000 photographs for those. Because he would get to, they'd send him off to a shoot somewhere in the world, of course, and he would get there and he would, um, uh, he'd take a photograph, let's say at a distance of something that was spectacular, and you and I would take that photograph and say, I'm putting that on social media. That's just pretty good. Well, he would take that and he'd say, well, that's not bad. But then he had changed the lens. He'd put on the filter. He would, he would move to a different place because each step is the next right answer. I'd encourage you to look up his videos. They're a little bit dated now, but I mean, it's really amazing to see what he's talking about, the next right answer. There's nothing wrong with this photograph we had right here, but there's a next right answer. You take the next step. And the thing is, is that when he would uh, decide, okay, I've taken everything I can right here. Let's, I want to move to that hill over there. And so that's, okay, it sounds easy, right? Except he's one of the people that has a team of people with him. It's not just him. So there's this team of people that have to pick everything up, and they've got to go over to this hill and relocate and be able to take different kinds of photographs. Because there's a next right answer. There are a lot of temptations uh, in a last message. Um, one of the, I think, probably one of the worst temptations is to make uh, is to make the message about me. I mean, for crying out loud, I did a message a few weeks ago called "It's Not About You," <laughs> right? So <laughs> uh, I gotta I'll be. Uh, 
honest to that, because uh, it, it's not. I mean, this last sermon here at Stonebridge is it's not about it's not about me this it's it's about what God is doing it's about the church it's about you it's it's about so much more uh, than just uh, my last uh, my last week here I've been here for a period of time to serve along with you in this church I'll go to a different church now and I'll serve with them for a period of time however long that's going to be and John Allen is preparing to move in here and to be with you to serve along with you for a period of time so it is a time of transition, a time of transition. Every transition in life creates with it some sense of uncertainty, insecurity, maybe even fear. Uh, I mean, every transition. I mean, having a baby, getting married, graduating high school, going to college, graduating college, starting a job, <laughs> buying a house. I mean, just every, every transition has its sense of, well, we don't know. We hope this works out. You don't know. But every transition also creates possibility and opportunity. So to try to talk about this in some helpful way, I thought I wrestled with what scripture text to use, um, what to say and, and how to say it. So I guess I'm just going to do what I typically do, and that is I'm going to be your tour guide today as we go through a couple of scripture passages. I will be your tour guide as we go through, as tour guides do, and point out important things, things you might not notice if you just walk through by yourself, to say, you need to see that. You need to know about that. And, and by the way, that's important in relationship to this other thing. And, and like any tour you've been on, hopefully, that as you go along, you gain a completely different understanding and appreciation for what you're seeing and what you're experiencing. And as you see those important things in their context, you begin to, you begin to see the importance in your context. So Moses and the Israelites have been in the wilderness for a long time at this point. They've been in the wilderness for a long time, and they are now poised to go into the land God is giving them. That sounds simple, except as they do that, well, I mean, they've been in the wilderness a long time. The entire generation who left Egypt, slavery in Egypt has died. The people who are now God's people in the wilderness have only known wilderness. They've never known anything else. And the word is, you're going to go and take this land and you're going to settle down. We'll talk about a transition. They've never done that before. I wouldn't be surprised if they wanted to go back to the wilderness because it's familiar. That's what, that's what we humans like to do. We like familiar. That's just like their ancestors when they, when they left Egypt, right, to get out into the wilderness and when they're finally safe and they start looking around and they're like, well, where are there any houses? Do we have food to eat? Do we have something to drink? And, and then they began to curse Moses and said, let us go back to Egypt, because it was familiar. Well, the thing about transitions is, yeah, you, sometimes it means you've got to leave something that's familiar to go to the next right answer. So a lot has happened all these years, and now there they are near the place to go into the land God is going to give them. But Moses won't be the one to lead them there. Moses won't be the one. 
Now, wow, after all the things, right? After all the things that Moses has been a part of. I mean, God appears to Moses and speaks to Moses in a burning bush out in the desert. And so Moses, okay, I'll go and confront Pharaoh, the cruel Pharaoh who was oppressing God's people. And okay, then we, there's the whole ten plagues thing. And okay, now I'm going to lead God's people out. And then they get, and then they get to the edge of the, of the Red Sea, and they're trapped. And so Moses parts the sea, and they get across. And then they go, and they get to, the, to Mount Sinai, where they receive the Ten Commandments from God. And then there's a pandemic. That's a joke. That's about something else. So it's time for new leadership. Even in spite of all that, it's time for new leadership. So Moses says to God, let the Lord, the God of all living things, appoint someone over the community so that the Lord's community won't be like sheep without their shepherd. You see, Moses cares deeply for the people. Moses prays that God will appoint the person who's the right person at the right time for the people, the next right answer. Well, the transition has some uncertainties, like I've pointed out. They're going to go and do something, the people are going to go and do something they've never done before, and, and yet God is in the transition. This is, what, this is about God accomplishing God's purposes in this transition. And so it will be Joshua, you know, whose name means something like the one who saves Joshua will lead them across the Jordan River into the land where they will settle. And they'll write the next chapter in their story. When I read that last scripture verse, you might have heard something that sounded a little bit familiar, the words, sheep without their shepherd. Well, as the Gospel of Mark tells it, uh, another person whose name means he who saves Jesus has sent the disciples out on a mission trip. He has sent them out on a mission trip, going out into these communities, these villages, and I want you to do the, all the good things, and then you know, come back and we're going to talk about it. So he sends them out on, on this mission trip. I'm just curious. I'll ask for a raise of hands. How many of you have been on an international or domestic mission trip with a church or a faith-based organization? Yeah, a bunch of us have done that. Thank you, and thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing that. I mean, it's a cool experience to get outside of your context and do some work. And if you, when you've done that, you know what it's like. You get back and you have all these stories, right? You want to tell all the stories. But you're also really tired, right? Well, that's what's going on with the disciples. And so they come back to tell Jesus everything. And he says, I, I, want to, I need to hear your stories, but I also know you're tired. So let's go to an isolated place where you can rest and we'll talk. So they get in a, which, by, by the way, that's a message in itself, isn't it? Jesus himself says, go to an isolated place and rest. So they get in a boat, and they're going to go across the lake. Except people see them, and they're like, wait, that's Jesus and the disciples in the boat. And so they see where they're going to go, and so the people start traveling around that way. And so, they, so by the time the boat gets over there and they get off, this is what it says in Mark 6. It says, when Jesus arrived and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. 
Now, a transition is about to happen here, but it's a different sort than what we hear about from Moses and Joshua. What's one to pay attention to? So Jesus spends time with this growing crowd. He had compassion on them, so he spends time with them, uh, teaching them, right? And that's probably, the disciples are probably enjoying a relaxing few moments, right? But after a while, you know, they start looking at their watches and thinking, it's getting late, and we're in an isolated place. I mean, all these people, they got to, we need to let them go. Because, I mean, it's a practical matter. It's getting toward the end of the day. And, you know, in, in, the, in the Hebrew tradition, uh, a day begins at sundown. So we need to let these people get home. They need to get something to eat, and then so they can begin their day of rest after sundown. And so it's time to let them go. And so, you know, they kind of pull Jesus aside and said, Jesus, we've got to let these people go because they've got to get something to eat. They've got to get home. And, you know, it's just, Jesus, it's just time to land the plane. I don't know if they said that. But that's a pretty important practical matter. There's a ton of people here. The Bible says 5,000. They need to eat. They need, we need to let them go. So, <laughs> so, yes, Jesus says, you give them something to eat. I wish I, that's when you wish you could have seen the disciples' faces, Right? <laughs> I mean, my guess is somebody kind of rolled their eyes. Here goes Jesus again. Somebody probably laughed, thinking he's just joking. <laughs> yeah, sure, we'll, we'll get right on that. Somebody probably got mad, probably Peter. Peter probably got mad, right? He always gets mad. You give them something to eat. So, of course, then they, they start to push back. Well, well hey, hey, wait, hang on a minute. I mean, it, it, would, it would cost a fortune to go somewhere and buy Food. I mean, it'd take half a year's salary to go and buy enough food to come back and bring to these people. And Jesus says, well, how much bread do you have? Take a look. How much bread do you have? Those of you in, in the workplace, you've probably heard of asset-based planning, asset-based management, etc. That, that it's, it's the idea that in any organization, uh, as you're planning and making strategy, you don't, you don't start necessarily with what your aspirations are. You start with, what do we have? What assets do we have that we can build on? Right? You don't want to create an aspiration out there that you don't have the assets to move towards. So what, so what do we have? You kind of just start there. and that, that's, Sure, that's about physical things. It's about, it's about money. It's about property. It's about equipment. Sure, it's about that. It's also about intangibles. It's also about intangibles. You know, of our, of our core leadership team, we have 150 years' experience here. That, that's worth a lot. We have, a, we have a group of people who are completely committed. They are sold out to make this happen. That's an asset. We have a rich tradition in history. That's an asset. What's, what's the asset that you have to work on? And you go from there. So Jesus says, how much bread do you have? Take a look. Maybe a relentless inventory of what, what do we have? Let's see it and name it. And so the disciples say back to him, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Again, 
you wonder what's the expression on their face, what's their tone of voice, right? Are they going, ooh, we have five loaves of bread and two fish? I think we're good, right? That wouldn't feed the people here right now, right? So, or, or did they, or was it just a very humble kind of thing, or was it, were they being snarky? We don't know, but we have five loaves of bread and two fish. So without even discussion, Jesus then just says, okay, so hey, disciples, there's just a lot of people here. Go out and break them up into smaller groups of people. So we don't just have one group, put them into smaller groupings. You know, maybe taking a gigantic task and making it into doable parts. I don't know, something like that. Because what they have, they're going to operate on what they have. What they have. Do what they have for now. And they're going to trust God right now for their daily bread. So Jesus blesses the bread and the fish and then entrusts the disciples to distribute. You see what's happening? Yes, there's going to be a miracle here. We all know it. We've seen the movie. There's going to be a miracle here. But Jesus is saying, okay, disciples, you do these things. They are the hands and the feet of the miracle. They're just sitting back and saying, yeah, Jesus, you, need, you sure need to do a miracle with this. No, Jesus says, what do you have? Now start doing some things. Put that to work. Go and work. So yes, there's going to be a miracle there. And, it, and of course, we know then uh, it says that they all ate and were satisfied. And the, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of fish, of bread and fish. Now, one, some commentator I read once upon a time said, what if, what, if the, what if the miracle is not that the bread and the fish got multiplied so greatly? What if the miracle is that people were satisfied? Right. Right. Because when we think of eating, we think of eating till I can't take another bite. Right? And I'm, I'm guilty of that. I mean, just for, you, some of you saw my Facebook post. I mean, Mary and I went and ate pizza Friday night, and after we ate, I just said, you know, I just really don't have good boundaries with pizza. <laughs> I just really don't. I just eat and eat and eat and eat until I'm miserable. And so, the, interesting, ironically, after I'm eating so much I can't hardly move, I'm not satisfied anymore. Right? Now I'm uncomfortable. Now I hurt. Now I don't feel good. They were satisfied. You know, our, the cultural Christianity around us wants us to think in terms of gigantic abundance, and you're going to prosper, and you're going to have all this money, and you're going to... Which I don't, I don't think Jesus ever said, ever. But maybe the miracle would be we'd be satisfied with what we do have. Everyone looks to Jesus for the miracle, but then Jesus says to the disciples, what do you have? And let's get to work with that. So God meets the needs of the the community, and there will be some left over. But it doesn't, doesn't happen without the movement and the involvement of the disciples. So there's always the next right answer. 
There's always a next right answer. And when you look at how, how God has been at work throughout the Bible, you see this next right answer played out time and time and time again. You see that it involves movement and engagement with the people. They, they went from slavery to the wilderness. They went from the wilderness to a settled people. From leadership from Moses to Joshua. Jesus working a miracle but handing it to the disciples to carry it out. From not enough to satisfied from the cross to the resurrection, from the Spirit of God in creation to the church. During any time of transition, any time of transition, we have a choice about how we're going to be. And it might be nervous, and it might be fearful, and it might be all kinds of things, but we have some role of choice here. I just, I just think that in any transition, the best posture to have, so to speak, is gratitude. Just to be grateful. Just to be grateful, to, to be grateful for what God is doing, even though there are unknowns, that we can, with gratitude, trust God for the next right answer. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.